As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Mike Check listeners. I'm Joe. He is Kyle. And this is another episode of the Mike Check Podcast, your island podcast featuring island people and island conversations. How are you, Kyle? I'm great, Joe. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for asking. <laughs> We're very cordial here at Mike Check. <laughs> Our guest today is a former award-winning journalist on Vancouver Island. Did you work with this individual? I never worked with him. Uh, I came in after he left. Okay. I wasn't sure. I did have some overlap. There were a few years where we uh, we called one another colleagues right. uh, at CTV Vancouver Island before Kyle and I both came to check news. This was a long time ago. <laughs> Our guest was a, was a reporter there. He also is a cancer survivor. He was the head of a not-for-profit. He's active in the island's art community. His latest title, though, is Victoria City Councillor. Last December, you will recall, Stephen Andrew walloped the other eight candidates on the by-election ballot to take the empty seat on Victoria Council, a seat left behind by now MP Laurel Collins. He's been in the role for just over six months now, and we thought it was time to check in, to get his thoughts on council procedure. Are those long Thursday meetings that I usually watch frustrating? At times, they look frustrating. <laughs> What has he learned so far? Council actually doesn't run the city. He's putting in long hours. It's a full-time job, he says. And although some believe councillors' pay should be increased, not Andrew. When I got into the job, um, there was discussion about increasing pay or doubling the pay at one point. I said I wasn't going to accept it. We also get his thoughts on a couple of Victorian neighborhoods, Burnside Gorge and Harris Green. If we're not careful, we are going to drive a certain demographic out of our city. And we ask the question on voters' minds. Stephen, yes or no? Are you planning to run for the mayor of Victoria next year? The answer is... Have a listen to find out. I want to start by saying thank you, Stephen. For something you did about 10 years ago. Do you remember what that was? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll refresh your memory. I had just started at CTV Vancouver Island. You were, you know, a senior reporter there at the time. And my suits were a little worse for wear. And, I do remember that. And what did you do? I gave you my suits. <laughs> <laughs> you did more than that, though. You said, Joe, you came over to me and you said, Joe, look, we got 
we got to fix you up a little bit. Your suits are lacking. Uh, I want you to come by my place. I've got a bunch of suits in the closet, and I want you to try some of them on. And I went over one night. It was a week week night. I went over. You yep. uh, invited me into your home, and these were nice suits. Like these were Outlook suits that you weren't wearing. I I remember that um, because what it, what had happened is I think I I think that was after the cancer surgery. That I, that I had had, and I lost a hell of a lot of weight. Not saying that you were bigger than me, but I um, was. <laughs> and I had all these suits that were sitting in the closet that I I just couldn't wear anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was either that or throw them out. And I just thought, hey, they're gonna go. I mean, they they were great suits. They Some were. Some of that only worn a couple of times. And um, and uh, as you know, they have they have great suits down at Outlooks. And um, yeah. I mean, this is an Outlook suit that yeah. I put on now. It's nice. They were really nice suits. And that was the first Thanks. time I went, oh, my goodness. Like, that was the, the first expensive suit I had ever owned. And it was a hand-me-down from Stephen Andrews. Do you so. still have some of really? those suits? Uh, no, I don't. I've They're hanging up uh, in my garage right now outside. They don't fit anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> too small or too big now, man? <laughs> Unfortunately, a bit too snug. A bit too small. Okay. I got a couple <laughs> more for you. <laughs> All right, so that brings me to my next question. I guess my first real question here. That trip a decade ago to your home was probably one of my first trips to the Burnside Gorge neighborhood. That's where you call home. You still live there. I now call Burnside Gorge home. I I live a couple blocks over from you. And I think, having lived there now for about six months, that it is the most underrated neighborhood in the city of Victoria. I think that it, it has a bad rap. I think that people don't understand how special that part of Victoria is. And I'm curious if you agree. I do. I, I moved here in 2004 and um, we, we, we love the area. I mean, we're in a nice character home and uh, the, the neighbors here are fantastic. And uh, I think it's a challenge because people see Burnside Gorge and just by the way that it's laid out as uh, an area of town that you just drive through. So you've got um, Gorge Road. And you've got um, Burnside, and so people just travel through. Whereas other areas, for instance, if you go into Cook Street, you have the Cook Street Village, or you know, you go into downtown. Here, people are just driving through, so um, they don't get to experience um, the people here as 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 we as we do. And and I know that in the official community plan, there's an idea to to de- develop more kind of um, villages uh, all over the city, and and that that's something that we're looking at. And um, you know, I mean, we've got a great uh, community center, the Burnside Gorge Community Association, the community center that we have there on Cecilia and some of the developments, it's really coming in, it's really coming into its own. I, I actually think that as more develops in this area and we, we see more of the, the development on um, Government Street, uh, just around Bay Street and that whole area of Rock Bay, mm-hmm. we're going to start to see some really exciting things coming into the area. So yeah, I love it, obviously, and I advocate for it on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. How many of the problems with Burnside Gorge are associated with the Travel Lodge? Because back in February, the province announced that it was going to extend the lease until the end of the year. I know at the time, people in the neighborhood said, look, we've had these problems. We've had the 
the homeless living in that hotel for uh, a long period of time. We've been uh, taking the brunt of this issue, uh, and this is unfair. You know, this lease should not be extended. I know that they were going to move to Capital City Centre, that hotel, but because of the fire, that move couldn't happen. So I'm curious your thoughts. Do you think that the Travel Lodge will return to a hotel at the end of this year? What does the future have in store for that site? So, so let's be clear, it's not just the travel lodge, and, and this, is, this is an issue, and I, I've got some good news on the travel lodge. The issue is that an inordinate amount of, uh, I wouldn't even call it supported housing, but emergency shelters were built here in Burnside Gorge. What we've done is we've created tremendous amount of pressure within this area that really goes against what we know is best practices. And we'll probably talk about this a little bit more. And that is that if you are going to treat this effectively, the issue of homelessness, addiction, mental health, and all these associated issues that come along with it, that you need to go to best practices. And we know that to be a distributed, scattered model. So you scatter it across the region and you you are far more successful. So with the travel lodge, yes, a lot of people went into the area. There was also the overdose prevention unit that was put in when it was opened. It was only meant to be for the people in um, staying at the travel lodge. And it wasn't. Um, They opened it up the neighborhood. You had people coming and going on bikes, people dealing drugs. Mm. Um, It it just was was a mess. They've, They've cleaned that up now. So it's tremendous. And David Eby, the Minister of Housing, said, you know, if we extend the lease on that, we are not going to start putting more people in. So that's what they've done. So it slowly people are being housed in permanent housing. So the numbers that were in the travel lodge at the beginning of the year, it's, it's nowhere near what, what it was now. I mean, we're, we're down, I think we're under 90, maybe even less than that now. Mm. So every couple of weeks, people are being moved out. And so by the end of this year, it will not be um, an emergency shelter situation. And what the owner of that building is going to do, I have no idea. My suspicion is that they are probably going to try to apply for some kind of housing or um, maybe condos. That's just my suspicion. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it certainly is a property that, you know, is ripe for the picking. I, I doubt it will go back to a hotel. That just, but that, I have no idea. What's your vision for, for that stretch? I mean, the Gorge Waterway in the Burnside Gorge area, because it's such a beautiful uh piece of Victoria. And I, I think you would agree that it's not meeting its potential right now. No way, dear. I mean, you've got down at the foot of Washington, you have Arbutus Park, which is a beautiful, a beautiful park right by the day's end there. Um, I would like to see that park revitalized and uh, have water access there. And that's been that's been a discussion. Um, and the community is looking at that. So I would like to see water access there. I would like to see that to be far more a community park that, than, than it's been. And the, I think the, the day's end there on the corner, I know it's up for sale right now, that could be redeveloped, definitely. I mean, you still got uh, the Robin Hood Inn. Mm-hmm. They've done a major renovation on the street, so that's here to stay as a, 
accommodation and, and it's doing very well. So I would like to, to see a village. If we had an opportunity, I'd like to see that a nice uh, combination uh, where the travel lodge is a combination of a, you know, some, some village shops and, and some accommodation there. I think that would, would fit in perfectly there yeah. because yeah. we need that in the area. We need a place where we can just go and have a cup of coffee and, and socialize and, and stuff like that. So I'd like to see that. That'd, that'd be something amazing. Yeah. Burnside Gorge Village would be amazing. If it was along the water too. Wow. That would be great. Uh, Stephen, you've been on council now for just over six months. I'm going to ask you what the best part of the job is, but before we get to that, what's the most frustrating part of the job? Hmm. Um, Thursday council meetings? No, no, no. People say to me all the time, well, how do you stand it in there? I'd be ripping my eyes out and stuff like that. I really enjoy council meetings. I know this sounds crazy. I don't like the length of them sometimes because I think they're unnecessarily too long. But uh, it is fascinating to hear the different opinions around the table on an issue. And I have surprised myself going into a council meeting thinking, oh, this is how I likely am going to vote based on all the information I've got. And to hear colleagues around the table present something and go, you know what, that's a good idea. Let's try that. You know, so that has been a surprise. I think the most frustrating thing I try to communicate, and it doesn't always come across, is one, Council actually doesn't run the city, and people think we do. They think that we can direct staff to do everything. We actually legally, legally we can't. And I know that sounds weird, but um, we set the policy, and then staff go with the policy. We don't. We can't interfere. We actually not allowed to talk to staff really um, uh, in, in that way. We have to go through the city manager or. Um, through directors to, to, to ask questions and stuff like that. And then the other thing is that people think that we deal with a lot more than we do. And I think part of that is that certain members of council have expanded the scope of what we do. And therefore, there's this impression that we can do everything. Like we can all of a sudden bring in major um, mental health centers into the, into the city, or we can spend tons of money on, on um, mental health and uh, addictions. Well, we, we just don't have the resources to do that. And that is frustrating because I wish that we did. I wish we had that money, but we, we're limited in what we can do. So um, that, that is the challenge, is, is trying to explain to people what our limitations are and then within those limitations, try to advocate for what we so know is needed. How many hours are you, are you spending as a counselor? Is it, is it 40 hours a week? Is it 60? Is it 80? I'm always curious because we, we always have the ongoing discussion and debate whether our, our elected officials are paid enough. And you know, that, whenever we have that chat, you know, they say, well, it's, it shouldn't be a full-time job. But then you ask the counselors and they say, well, it's more than a full-time job. So, it so- is a full-time job. I mean, we are we are supposedly part-time. And people say, well, if you didn't spend so much time dealing with other things, then you would be, uh, it would be a part-time job. I, I would say actually now, with the advent of um, social media, email and everything, it is more than a part-time job. If you 
want to do it as thoroughly as you can. And I can tell you that, you know, um, my husband jokes about it, uh, you know, because I say I am going to go down and do some some work. He goes, I thought this was a part time job. And uh, <laughs> it, it isn't. Stephen, you don't have to convince me. I, I believe that it's a full time job. I know you I know the counselors work very hard and it's around the clock. And and I'm I'm wondering, do you think based on now that you've lived it for six months, and I'm sure you're working more than forty hours a week, do you think that the compensation is fair? I don't want to spend too much time on this, but do you think the compensation is fair? What I would say is this I got into this uh job knowing full well what I was gonna be paid. Mm-hmm. So I'm not complaining. There is a governance review now that I uh, I welcome because I think uh, it, it it's not just about salary or remuneration. It's about the whole scope of what we do, how we're doing it, could we do it better? I think that needs to be looked at. If you were going to say to me, Stephen, is it uh, a full-time job? I, I spend full-time hours on it. Should the pay be adjusted to reflect that? I, I would leave that up to some other committee to look at that. I'm not going to make that decision. I said when I got into the job that um, there was discussion about increasing pay or doubling the pay at one point. I said I wasn't going to accept it uh, when, I, when, I, when I got in. And, and that's definitely where, where I stand. I, I, I'm very happy with what I've got. I've got a job and if I want more money, I'll do something else. But uh, I think that it, it will be reviewed. And I'm saying to other people that, that are looking to come on council, be aware. It, it's not just sitting in council meetings. Mm-hmm. You brought up the difference between the committee of the whole and the actual council meetings where decisions are made. I want to ask you about this because you also mentioned that you know some time may be wasted in these meetings. I don't think you use those exact words, but there are ways to streamline things. I'm curious why we have a committee of the whole where motions are presented they're voted on, uh, the vote gets passed, although it's not a final decision because then you wait two weeks and you vote on it again in council. So for example, the two-year ban on sheltering in Beacon Hill Park that just happened, you wanted a permanent ban, it didn't happen, but the actual motion to ban sheltering in Beacon Hill Park for two years passed at Committee of the Whole. Then we wait two weeks and we have another vote in council. Why not just do that in one sitting? Tell the citizens of Victoria that this is something that's being considered. Get your feedback, have a meeting and vote as opposed to two meetings with hours of discussion where someone could argue time is wasted. I think one has to understand the process. Things happen in the city, in any city, any municipality, based on bylaws. So what will happen is a bylaw is constructed, let's say, um, don't walk on the grass, okay? So if we were to bring a bylaw forward on don't walk on the grass, then the bylaw would get, where it has to be written and created to say, don't walk on the grass. So that requires construction of that, that bylaw. So there's no point in, in building that bylaw to say don't walk on the grass if council's not gonna approve it, right? Mm -hmm. So the bylaws themselves need to be voted on and passed. So that may sound crazy, but but hear me out here. So someone comes with an idea, don't walk on the grass. 
staff hear about that if we discuss it at, at council meetings mm -hmm. and we say yes we want uh, a we want we direct staff to create a bylaw to say don't walk on the grass staff has to create that and then legally that has to come before us as a bylaw we adopt that bylaw in council and that's how we do it now the reason why i i voted to um put two weeks in there because we were doing it one week and then deciding uh, was that on... your decision to give it two weeks was that your yes oh okay reason, i didn't reason, know that the reason being is that um every other week we have a council meeting where people can speak to council in the evening time mm -hmm. so if we made a decision one week people may be concerned or want to weigh in on it so it gives the public time to get come back to us and say hey i don't think that's a great idea for instance, when um, we voted on uh, Clover Point, right? Um, people really were upset about it, and a lot of people had a lot of comments, and they gave us a lot of feedback. And it gives people time to reconsider their votes, and that's that's happened with a number of things. The trouble is, to be honest with you, is with the media. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Now, the media says council votes to shut down all parks in the city well if we've talked about it in committee we we do vote to move that to a bylaw that doesn't mean it, it's going to happen it may end up at the council table but you uh, could argue that council did vote on it there was a vote I mean, that, the media is right saying that council voted today on this issue. But what you're saying is you want that to be followed up with. It's not a done deal. It needs to be, I think, ratified. Well, I think that's exactly it. I think that the, the don't present it as a fait accompli, that that's the end of it. I, I think the fair thing to say is, you know, they voted to um, they voted to put Beacon Hill Park on the list of no camping parks. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that decision will be ratified at a council meeting, you know, or in, in two weeks time. It is time for a quick break from the discussion with Councillor Stephen Andrew to talk about Budget Blinds Victoria. One of the things, Kyle, that I like when I'm spending money, and it can be anything, it can be a meal, maybe it's a new hat or shirt, maybe it's a new car. When I'm spending cash, moolah, yeah. <laughs> I want selection. I want options. Yeah. And Budget Blinds understands this. They get that when you walk in that store, you want as many options as possible. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And that's why they give the power to the customer. Take roller shades, for example. Okay. They're also known as roller blinds. Oh, roller blinds. Yes, see, yes, got it. Yeah, see, some people like you, <laughs> they think roller blinds. Also known as roller shades. Okay. These are one of the most popular styles of window coverings. Budget Blinds Victoria has more than 100 different styles to choose from. What? That's choice number one. Of just roller shades. That's your first choice. Then you've got a second decision to make because choice number two is the fabric. From classic to contemporary, They've got different patterns of fabric. Wow. 240 in total. No way. Yes, way. <laughs> I wouldn't make that up. <laughs> so to recap, 100 different styles of roller blinds. Right. 240 different decorative fabric options. Wow. Basically, whatever your room looks like that you're trying to find blinds for, mm-hmm. they have a color and a fabric to match it. You could have a black room with... Black furniture. Wow. And they will have, you'll probably want to go with black blinds or white blinds. <laughs> yeah, that's a bold choice. You probably want to stick to that <laughs> You probably want to see that theme through. Yeah. But what I'm saying is they have something that will meet your expectations. Right. And what you're looking for. And that's just roller blinds. They do way more than just roller blinds, and, right? Oh, totally. But for that, you'll have to wait. For another episode. Okay. Because we're just talking about roller blinds. <laughs> okay. Okay. I've only pulled the stats on roller blinds. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Budget Blinds Victoria on 4th Street, our number one choice for all things blinds. Tell them Mike Check sent you, and they'll probably say, Mike Check? Oh, yeah. We sponsor a podcast. Right. Mike Check. You'll love the experience. Go check them out. What other roller blind stats do you have in there? I don't. That's it. That's all of them. 240 and 100. <laughs> Those are my two, my two fingers. Great. You brought up Clover Point. Accessibility was a huge issue when it came to shutting down Clover Point to vehicles. I was shocked uh, at what you did, and I think you were applauded for it from the uh, accessibility community when you showed up with a wheelchair to Clover Point. Yeah. And, and the shot of you pulling the wheelchair out from the back of the car and walking it across the street, and then you got in it and you tried to roll down the hill at Clover Point. I was watching this in the newsroom going, and I, I, I know you, I've worked with you. I went, I'm surprised he did this. I thought that the, the disabled community was going to be all over you. How dare you do this? What was the reaction like to that? They, they thank me. This is very important to me. I mean, I, my background on this is that uh, my mom and my dad, uh, towards the end of their life, they were they had uh, mobility challenges, and so we we had to deal with that whenever we went out. You know, parking in a handicapped parking space, trying to get close to the door, um, making sure that you know. I mean, I, I when when mom was living in a home in Ontario, um, if we took her out, I would have to get out of the vehicle, set her up um, with her walker or a wheelchair, lock it up, and sometimes not have a parking space near where we went 
and say, just stay here and then quickly park the car and come back. Right. And, and it, and it is a challenge and people would say, well, um, you know, why is that an issue? Well, if you've got somebody who is, for instance, has cognitive issues and you say, stay here, you're not guaranteed they're going to stay there. And so that is a, a concern. And I, I know people that, that have um, family members where they, they, they just have to be with them 24 seven. So they do not have that ability. And when I had my kidney out back in 2006, I had to actually go in a wheelchair. It was the only way I could get around afterwards for um, a while. The deal was I had to be in the wheelchair and I, and I really barely could move. And so we went to places like Mayfair Mall and that, and I would be wheeled around. And um, it is a challenge. If you get into a wheelchair um, and experience that just even for a couple of hours, you'll find our city is not that easy to move around. It, it, mm -hmm. it is, is a real challenge. So the disabled community contacted me and said, hey, Stephen, this, this is a real challenge to get to Clover Point. And, you know, we, we need that access. I, I take my car down there. I, I had to take my 92-year-old father mm -hmm. down there. And we sit and we watch the waves. And, and we want that access to go, uh, to, to be available to us. So I thought, well, I'm going to go try it. See, see how bad it is. They, they'd say, I can't roll down that slope. Yeah. And sure enough, they couldn't, um, couldn't go down the slope. Once you look at it from someone who is disabled, your vision changes. It's like this, uh, I read a good article the other day about plastic straws and people banning plastic straws. And, you know, someone said, you know, that there was a shot of a, uh, I think a, tur uh, a turtle with a, a straw in its nose and this, this plastic straw then just changed the world as to you know getting rid of plastic straws but they said for disabled people for many people a disabled uh, a plastic straw is the only way that they can drink mm -hmm. um the because of maybe mo mobility issues or um d disabled issues they str paper straws do don't help and they can't use the other straws because of the the way that they may bite or move while, while they're 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 drinking so you know, we, we, we do not look at everything from a lens of accessibility. We, we, we tend to look at everything through a lens of accessibility, and we have to change that thinking. I have uh, some questions here on some issues happening in the city. I don't know if we need to go into great deal on each of them, but and I don't want to call this rapid fire either because I do want to get your thoughts, but let's talk about Harris Green, the Harris Green neighborhood for a second. There is a proposal uh, to rapidly change that neighborhood from starlight. Uh, 1,500 rental suites, multiple towers, some uh, as high as 32 stories, which would be the highest building uh, in Victoria if approved. Is 32 stories too tall. So I, I want to see what is, I, I, I want to see what the plan is totally. And, and everyone go, well, you can see it from the um, artist renderings. Well, no, we can't. There's lots to consider. So um, I'm not going to base my decision on an artist rendering. I'm going to base it on um, a, a full report on the impact on traffic, on Live, livability, what the size of the 
properties of what does it look like? Does it fit into the neighborhood? Rather than speak specifically about Harris Green, which I'm not, I'm not trying to avoid that, I think we need to look at a couple of issues. We do have a housing issue in Victoria. More and more people want to live here. And we have a choice. You can either go one way, you can either spread out or you can go up. The question has got to be is, does that fit in with what people want for our city? We have an official community plan. Does that fit in with the official community plan? And we have to look at those issues. And that's why council makes these decisions. Uh, decisions. We need to get out and consult. Um, if we don't go up, where where do we go? Where How do we get more people in, fitting into our city? Is there a level where we say, well, once we get 100,000 people in the city, that's it. No more people can come. Is that realistic? I would say it probably isn't. So it sounds to me like you're saying you are open to 32 stories if it's a plan that you approve of. No. What I'm saying is you have two options. You can either go up or spread out. What are we going to do? Is it going to fit into the community? I, I want to hear what the community has to say. But you're not saying I, no to 32 stories. And the reason I'm not going to say no is that I'm required under the um, the Municipal Act to enter into everything with an open mind. And I'm not dodging, dodging the question. But I mean, if, if somebody could bring something that really is spectacular, that um, is built well, is well in the designs, it fits within the community plan, that it, that it looks decent and um, brings benefit to our community, mm -hmm. I would say, hey, yeah, let's be open to that. Are we over-governed, Stephen, in the CRD? I mean, we got 80 plus councillors, we've got the, the Capital Regional District Board. Do you think it's time to look at amalgamation and give it some serious thought? Yes. And we are. We're, we're going to have, um, uh, there's going to be meetings between Saanich and uh, we're going to have a, a citizens assembly on this. Um, we, we've set the money aside. The challenge is going to be is if we can get everyone to agree. And yeah, we do need, we need amalgamation. Do you like the not. idea of the peninsula, the core and the, and the West shore? I mean, that's the yeah. one that kind of makes sense to me having the three bodies. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I like I like that idea. I don't think we can go into one. I mean, if we went into one, then we'd obviously get rid of the uh, regional district. But um, no, I, I think it's going to end up being um, three. Yeah. And and yeah. and just from a geographical point of view, I think that that's going to work. And also, not just that, but I think that we're going to end up getting um, a good mixture of uh, urban and residential, and uh, and some of the. Um, uh, the farmlands as well. So, you know, I mean, we, we don't have that in Victoria. And so if we ended up expanding um, the, uh, the municipal boundaries, I think that, that that would work. We had a roundtable discussion on this podcast recently about things that Victoria is missing. You know, one of the things that came up was a, an outdoor public pool. Louise Hartland actually said that. She said she didn't want to pay $20 to go to a pool outside and drink cocktails. She wanted a public outdoor pool. So another thing that came up that I'm sure you'd like was a proper outdoor space for the arts community, like a proper theater. The lady who mentioned it said, think Mission Hill with the great theater they have out there at the winery. What, what yeah. do you think the capital city needs? What's on your wish list? As Victoria goes, I think, first of all, we need to look at our infrastructure. 
one of the biggest complaints that I get is that the roads and the sidewalks aren't. Um... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, to the level that, that people would want. So we need to, need to deal with that. Um, I think that we need to um, work more on developing a more sustainable city. Now, that doesn't just mean bike lanes. It means making sure that we have bike lockups downtown so that people can actually ride their bike into the city and have it there when they come after they've done their shopping, come back. So we need uh, more sustainable um, transportation uh, supports in, in that way. There is a discussion about another kind of art center uh, regionally uh, uh, to deal with some of those issues. Um, the Capital Regional District is looking a little bit at that right now. Um, do I hold hope that it's going to transpire into something interesting? Likely not. Um, just because we, we talk about this every now and again, you know, about building a new facility. Definitely we need to um, replace Crystal Pool. That actually has to happen. We need to ensure that it is accessible uh, for people in, in, in Victoria. I think that um, we need to ensure that we have more community centers throughout the region so that people are not traveling long distances with their kids. We need more um, space within those community centers for um, childcare. That's becoming a, an issue that that we just have to deal with. And, um, you know, I, I think that we, we just, we need to look at developing our city, especially around the Old Town area, a little bit north of Old Town through the, the old hydrolands now that uh, with, uh, within the, um, uh, the purview of the indigenous community. We need to, we need to start looking at, at new ways of looking at our city. And, uh, and, and that's what I would like to see. I, I'd like to see a, a healthier city, a more vibrant city, where we we can where we can bring families in, so that it, it is more affordable for um, families for younger people, so that they're not all going out to the West Shore, um, because that's where they're going to find homes that they can either rent or they they can purchase. If we're not careful, we are going to drive a certain demographic out of our city and and. And Victoria won't be affordable for those people. So we, we need to find ways of doing that. And part of that, I have to say, is ensuring that we keep our taxes low. And I know when I say this, you know, we, we need to spend within our limits and not take money out of people's pockets and then build our programs to the amount of money we're taking out of their, of their pockets. We can always find ways to spend money, but property taxes are 
a way that we make our city more um, more expensive. So we need to be to be careful on that. Senior citizens that are on fixed incomes, they don't get a, a 1.75% bump in their income every year. Yet we're putting our taxes up like that if they own a home. So we need to, we need to be careful that we're not making decisions that, that have a ripple effect throughout the community that, that unintentionally drives, drives up um, the cost of the city and therefore pushes more people out in, into the suburbs. Not exactly the sexiest answers we were looking for. Somebody said we're missing Ikea. Another person said, <laughs> what did they say, Kyle? Uh, a Ferris wheel. A Ferris we got fixed roads, spike lockup, crystal pool, child care, and community centers. And keep taxes low. <laughs> that's the London Eye water yeah. slides. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's what we, no, we we can We can have features. You know, I mean, yeah, um, we, we can definitely have the features in, in, in Victoria. But really, to the people that are are living here and that is really where my focus is is to the people that are living in victoria you know we need to provide services for those individuals the tourists when when they come back and they will come back mm -hmm. will take care of themselves and you know we'll, we'll you know if somebody wants to build the london eye uh, or the victoria eye that's up to them but that's not going to be victoria dollars that are going to go into that we need to we need to push our tourism and and, and be there and support it, and we do through the, the hotel tax. But my, my job is to make sure that this is a city that everyone wants to live in 365 days a year, not just during the tourist trend. Stephen, yes or no? Are you planning to run for the mayor of Victoria next year? Either way, I answer that question, I don't win. So uh, yes and no. There you go. You get two answers. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer is maybe. The answer is right now I've got a job. Um, I'm a counselor. I'm loving my job right now. And um, I think that um, I think anyone would be thrilled to be uh, the mayor of this wonderful city. And um, if I felt that it was, and if others felt, I think is more important that I am the person to make that change or I would have to seriously consider it. And it's not a decision that you make by yourself. I mean, you make it with uh, many of the people involved in it. And, and notably, um, you know, uh, my husband, I, I have to uh, not get his permission, but we have to sit down and discuss that because if he was, um, it, it would take way more of my, my time. You think that being a counselor is a full-time job, being a mayor is a full-time job and a half. So, you know, you I, have I indicated, to... you have indicated that you are running. We just don't know for what yet. When will yeah. you make the decision? Do you know? Um, ask me after the, the summer holiday, maybe I'll have a better idea, but um, I'm definitely running uh, for re-election on council. If I changed my mind, you know, you'll be one of the uh, first people to, to know what's going on. You haven't ruled out a mayoral run. Well, I, I haven't ruled it out because right now I don't want to say no. And then down the road, um, I'm convinced it's a good idea. And then I say, yes, I, I just, uh, you know, it, it's, it's like I've just gone on council. I've only been there six months. And I always say to people, that's like asking a woman after she's had a baby five minutes later, hey, do you want to have another one? You know? Let me get through this one and, and, and realize what's going on. I'm still learning. 
I'm still working on, I'm getting my feet under myself. I have a, a better idea uh, of um, where I'm going and what I want. And um, I'm sure in another few months, I may, I may feel different than I do today. But I, I honestly, I just can't answer that for you right now, Joe. I would if I could, but I can't. Thank you to Stephen for coming on and joining us on Mic Check. I think eventually we will have maybe all of the Victoria councillors on, and not just Victoria. Let's get more councillors on. Yeah. I mentioned how many we have in this region. There's a lot of them to choose from. But we will, uh, once in a while, talk to politicians at the local level. Again, thank you to Stephen for coming on. We want to remind you that... Mike Check is on TV. We don't talk about it very often, but we should. Right. Mike Check TV is what you've been calling it. But <laughs> Mike Check TV. Yeah. I think that's a great name for it. I think that, yeah, it hasn't stuck with everyone else in the building that actually makes it happen. Well, I don't, I, I really don't talk about it that often. It's funny because we do have several podcasts here. Right. And it seems like everyone's quite excited about the podcast being on TV. Well, yeah, being on TV is usually something that's very rare and exciting, but I just not want, for Mr. Newsman here. Well, I just want the audio to be good. <laughs> I care about the audio. The audio episodes is what matters, but we are on TV if you'd like to watch. Um, the editors here have done a great job cutting these down and making 30-minute uh, shows. Tuesday nights at 11.30. Set your PVR now. If you're on the couch in your living room and that controller is in, you know, within reach, grab it. Right. And record. Mic check, 1130s, Tuesday nights. We're also on 930 Wednesday mornings. We are the lead-in show for the extremely popular Donnie and Dolly, the team. Yeah, getting those Donnie and Dolly numbers <laughs> Wednesday mornings at 930. Uh, uh, we're on Instagram, Mike Check Podcast, M-I-C Check Podcast. The feedback has been really great. It really has. We've been doing this for a few months now. Mm -hmm. We're almost at 50, 50 episodes. I'm surprised we've made it this long. But th things are really rolling. And uh, I want to thank those people who have been listening, who have been providing comments and feedback. Again, the one thing that I say a lot is we will have guests in studio. Right. And I cannot wait for that moment and that day to arrive. It's happening soon. Yep. And when they come in, I think it'll really help with the production level, with the audio, with the quality, with the discussion, being able to look someone in the eye. Yeah. So that's happening soon. So stay with us and bear with us because uh, it's coming. It's only going to get better. It might get worse. Probably not. Yeah, it might be a roller coaster ride for a little while here <laughs> still. I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, that's another episode. This Friday, if you're listening to this uh, on Wednesday, release day, yeah. in two days' time, we have another Friday roundtable. We are getting back into the world of food and Ooh, drink. We, yes. we kind of stepped away from it for a while. It was fun. It's time to bring it back a little bit. <laughs> Get so back to our origins we, of the roundtable. We have a great panel lined up, so that'll be this Friday. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.